0: Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network, I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is felines, because Nate had a cat (laughs) hanging out in the background earlier, and we were deciding what exactly that cat sounds like, and we decided he sounds a little bit like this, sounds like this. Definitely cartoonish yeah absolutely for sure Mm -hmm. for sure i feel like every time i do the voice of a dog it always ends up sounding like that viral video that went significantly around because it had the uh the german shepherd in it who sounded like they were in a situation where the dog was talking and the guy was talking back to him that was weird he was like do you want to go over there yep (laughs) Do you want to do this? Yeah. 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 Things like that. I'm being told I have an echo in my microphone. So, So,
1: Nate, do me a favor. Just start talking, and I'm going to fiddle with it. Oh, oh, me. You want me to start talking? Or is it me that has the echo? It definitely could be me that has the echo, but hi, everyone. Hello. How are we? It says, hey, Karen says sounds good on her end. So maybe perhaps there's just a, a thing, Bruce. I don't know. Maybe it's just Juan's. Maybe.
0: Am I coming out of your speakers, I guess, is the question.
1: Or am I coming right. out of your headphones? You're in my because headphones, if I'm coming baby. out of your speakers... You're in my headphones, baby. You're in, my, okay, in baby. my ears and in my heart. In my... You know what? I would be in your heart. You would. That would you make are. sense.
0: You'll be in my heart. Yes. I'll do Phil Collins right here on Friday night. Phil Collins. I'll get the... Okay. I'll, I'll keep the rhythm base. yeah. A reminder that tonight's show and every show that we bring to you is brought to you by Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878... Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for consistently great drinking experiences. Look for Genesee beer, Genesee light, cream ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York, Pineapple Kolsch.
1: Pineapple Kolsch. And I still haven't had it. It's going to be out of style before uh, I get it. Mate. No, it'll never be out of style. And I told you about what the kids are doing, right? No. What are the kids doing? The kids are mixing or taking half the pineapple and half the ruby red and pouring it into a pine glass half and half and creating a tropical experience. I would drink that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I will probably. I'll try it if I have both in one setting. I have not had that yet, uh, although they are upstairs. Uh I do have a uh, one of each. Uh, I just have to put them in the fridge. Um so maybe I'll try that and we'll do that next week live. I mean, we might as well.
0: Might as well. I mean, we we it's, it's better than the eggnog at this point. I have to RIP Did the eggnog make the trip. <gasps> no. How did we not leave the show with this? The I eggnog
1: is no yeah, more. Yeah. I kind of wanted to forget. It's been a lot of long nights, sleepless nights, no eggnog. Um it was one of those decisions that you make as like uh, a middle age started to become, well, middle age is dramatic. I'm not middle aged. I'm 30. I mean, you know, I would say more like, uh, you know, if like 45 is probably middle aged. I would say I am still of a young man. But regardless, I, I the biggest. Oh, oops. Hold on. Can you hear me, Bruce? Yeah. Am I still yeah. on? Oh, I can OK, hear you. sorry. Uh, I lost my train of thought. What were we talking about? The biggest is what you started saying. Oh, and then I thought I just dropped out, and then I forgot what no, I just said. You didn't. We're, we're, we're off to a dashing start. You need to apologize to Karen, first off, because she's bad. Oh, eggnog, eggnog, eggnog. God, that's it, what it we were talking the eggnog. about. The eggnog, yes. So it was just – I had to make one of those decisions as a man, as a 30-something-year-old man. Like, do I bring the almost-year-old eggnog with me in my move with the opportunity that it could potentially puncture? Or what if it opens? Or – And I'm in the process of moving and it's in a box that's important or I try to bring it. And I at that point, I started asking the question, if I am creating a special package to get this from the old place to the new place, maybe it's time to part ways with it. You know, like it was sort of like not very emotionally connected. I but it kind of was at the same time. It just it was a living, breathing thing, literally. So it just was hard to put it down.
0: You know what? I feel like we missed a gigantic, <laughs> a huge opportunity. Could have had like a nasty. really professional send-off. We, we could have had a funeral. Yeah. I would have brought a trumpet out. I could have played taps. The whole thing would have happened. I would have... Content galore. <laughs> <laughs> Just the whole thing. It would have been amazing. Speaking of amazing, Michael, thank you so much for the super job, man. He says, finally watching live, guys. Love your show. I love, love that it. Act that we have a first-time live listener. Michael, do me a favor. Anybody out there, including Michael, who sends a super chat of $10 or more, make sure you send a message to at Nate Geary Sports mm-hmm. with your address and a screenshot of you doing a super chat and a screenshot of the the fact that you're following at Genesee Brewery on Twitter, and he will send you a pint class.
1: I will, uh, and just be sure that you uh, you, Actually, I've got to open up my DMs again. That's that's actually a problem. You know, recently I had to close them. Dolphins fans, you know, you just you don't even want you don't want to keep it open. But I'll reopen my DMs. So, uh, Michael, you can shoot me a DM with that screenshot of you following genesee Brewing Company, and just make sure you throw a screenshot. I'll I've, if you say you're Michael, I'll know who you are, and make sure we get you taken care of. Get your uh, your shipping information, and I owe uh, uh another two out for another listener as well. I figured I I like to do them in bulk, so I'll get these ones out. Uh, At some point this week. Nate, dropped the ball like the Dolphins not drafting
0: Herbert. You know what? I love it. I absolutely love it. It's never a bad time to take a shot at it. Liam, Love to hear it. In the history of football, never a bad time to take a shot at the Dolphins. In fact, I don't know if you listened to the Bruce exclusive this week, but the Bruce exclusive this week was about traits giving you options. And specifically, I talked about it because of the discussion about two and arm strength that popped up. Not, Not a trait for you? He doesn't, arm strength's not a trait. He doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't check the box for me hmm. when it comes to arm strength. I um, would agree. So we're going to talk about that later. And we're going to talk about the effusive sure
1: yeah. flowering praise that gets hopped on, heaped on every single one of these quarterbacks. The sensationalize, the sensationalization of, uh, of, of quarterbacks in this league. Yeah. We're going to get into that. I've got a, a big time bone to pick with, uh, with, Devonte Adams with Tyree Kill with media. Uh, I'm going to rant later. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to hear the rant. But before we even get started,
0: for those of you who are watching us live on YouTube, make sure that you make a note that Nate is in his new place
1: this time. Who digs?
0: But Drew also Diggs. the lighting is so good. Superb. It looks like he has a green screen.
1: It like, does. This is real, it is. though.
0: It literally looks like he has a green screen of some other dude's man cave behind him. That's how good soon to be man the cave. lighting is. Yes.
1: Yeah, soon, soon to be, be a man cave. But great and lighting. It was actually why I picked the house that we picked. It was for I'll this place. Lighting. You know what? It's just, it's just you giving of yourself.
0: and Thinking about the brand. For sure. the brand. Thinking and about the, the brand that we have as fans of Food for Thought. Foodies for Thought, mind you, is what you would call mm. these people. Indeed food you would. For, food for Thoughties, probably. Food for Thoughties, I would say. Food for Thoughties. <laughs> so speaking of great pairings like Nate and I, who <clears throat> are great pairings. Indeed. We're going to talk about food pairings. Tonight, we're going to kick it off with a discussion about food pairings. Now, Mm -hmm. for the purposes of this discussion, food pairing, I specifically sent Nate a note. Mm -hmm. And when I sent him the note and text, I did a a very typical Bruce thing, which is, okay, well, let's define the thing we're talking about. That's a very Bruce thing to say, okay, for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to define food pairings as Foods that are much better together than they are separate. That doesn't mean they can't be good separate. It just means they are in their ideal form when they are together. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Geary,
1: I will allow you, much like you and I, better together, will allow you to start off. I love that. Um, This one was actually harder than you'd think um, because what you don't want to do is go generic with this, Bruce. This is not a generic podcast. So the last thing I want to do is say, like, Oh, peanut butter and jelly, because that's just absurd and that's low-lying fruit. And we're we're better than that here on this podcast. You, you, you stick around on a Friday night not for peanut butter and jelly references, right? But I also didn't want to get off too far on the beaten path. Something that I know people eat, um, something I know I eat a lot. These two things together are patently better. But I think on their own, they're very – it's weird that they both are slightly flavorless. I mean, there's flavor to them, but when you add them together, that both flavors sort of come out. And Bruce, it's tomato and mozzarella, like fresh tomato, um, you know, cut up cherry tomato, fresh mozzarella or burrata, which is my personal favorite. Um, Together, they just are so much better. Um, And you throw a little red onion in there. We do a lot of like the balsamic glaze. Uh, Bruce, are you a balsamic glaze fan and do you know about it? I do know about it. Not a huge fan. I to quite frankly, I'll
0: just take I'll just take a little bit of an oil-based dressing, just a little bit of like a like an Italian, a little bit of like a peppercorn on okay. there, and yep. I'll be good yep. and I'll be good with that. It, it, there's nothing okay. wrong with balsamic. Like I'm not like anti it. I just always
1: manage to choose something different. So the thing I like about the balsamic glaze, right, is it's on. A, it's a little tube. You, you don't have to put a lot. on I like to put a little on my pizza. It's a little thicker. It's not like vinegar, like the balsamic vinegar, where it's like watery. It's it's like a nice thick glaze, and it goes great with just about everything, but particularly tomato, mozzarella, preferably burrata, fresh burrata, right? And by the way, are you a fresh burrata guy? Where where do you stand on cheeses? Because I know you're a cheese guy. Yes, I am a cheese guy. I'm down with burrata. Absolutely, okay. I'm down for it. Yes, absolutely. I've we we seek it out. So, like, if it's on the menu, we go out, and it's like, yeah, they got burrata. What's with it? And I'm a big fan of pairing beets with it. She did it the other night. It was fantastic.
0: Really? Roasted beets. So my beats. wife pulled me out of the blue not too long ago. You know what I've been craving? And, of course, it's like the most general question in the world. I could literally Right. <clears throat> <throat> she goes, right. you know what I've been craving? I'm like, I don't know. She said beets. And I immediately busted out, of course, every single one of my Dwight impressions from the office. Bears. And
1: beets. Um, have you tried golden beets? No. So that's really where the game changes for you on a beet. Um, you should get one regular beet and then one golden beet, and then cut them up, slice them up, roast them, and then throw them together in kind of like a, uh, you know, I would say a mix like a round with, that, with the burrata and a little bit of balsamic glaze, maybe some tomatoes. Like that is, that's home run city, dude. Yes, home run city. Okay, I'll make a note. Golden beets. Golden me, Beets. Golden me, for me, the Beets. food pairing I decided to use was tomato soup and grilled cheese. Okay, so you went even more basic than me. So I feel vindicated. But we kept it simple. We kept it. We kept it middle America. I didn't. I didn't want to go crazy because
0: let me let me be, just be honest. We have other bills, roster room discussions that are food related coming later, and mm-hmm. I went completely off the deep end. So did I. So, so did I. <laughs> yes. I tried to keep this one a little bit a little bit grounded, and I went with Piece of tomato soup. He wanted to stay in this planet. I appreciate that. I've had grilled cheese without tomato soup. It's fine. I have very rarely had tomato soup without grilled cheese. I will tell you that. Very Hmm. rarely have I been like, you know what I want? Tomato soup. I want to be like, grilled cheese? Nah, just tomato soup. She would look at me like I had three heads. She'd be like, what do you mean you're going to have tomato soup without grilled cheese? Hmm. So to me, tomato soup, grilled cheese, they're perfectly reasonable apart. I especially like the versatility of grilled cheese you can do all sorts of different cheeses you sure. can throw any meats you want in there you know it becomes a melt at that point so we can make an argument other whether or not it's a grilled cheese i would make an argument it's not really a grilled cheese once you add meat to it it now becomes a melt that's a whole different story right but right the point being that you can have both of them independently and they're both fine but they're ideal together and i found that when you have a food that is supposed to be dipped like it's it's transitionally sure. dipped right that's the way it works you eat it you take a bite you dip it you double dip you triple dip you quadruple drip you quintuple dip everything like that <laughs> it's almost like french dip and au jus that a little bit you just, you just you can't function without the other
1: one and so that's the reason why i went grilled cheese and tomato soup so, I have got two things to ask you. We have no guests tonight. So, we can actually we can go in a little deeper on some of these conversations tonight than we normally do with uh, you know, keeping that 20 minutes for our guest and Bruce, I've got to ask you two things. Your your grilled cheese, what is your ideal bread and what's your ideal cheese? So, I like to mix my cheeses
0: with grilled cheese. Okay. Um, I think you need something that melts really well and I think you need Oil-based? something that has yes, yes. Um, you butter the outside obviously yes. of the bread. Yep. um i really like a big a big hearty multi-grain i need it to hold up mm. i need it to hold up um i don't want any of that multi uh, i don't want any of that bread where the bread itself like if you can give me a good like brioche or a good like texas toast i'm good with that too mm. the point mm. is that i need to hold up you give texas me some toast. flimsy white american bread right just flimsy by the time you're done with it it's literally just going to be you're holding just melty cheese. That's it. Yeah. You're just holding it. and it just, Which is not always the worst thing. It's not. I agree. I, but I agree. It's just not ideal. So for me, it's about getting the right type of bread, which is, again, it'd be hearty. It's got to hold up. And when it comes to cheese, I know that this is absolutely blasphemous. Give me some straight yellow American, right? Got to be. But also be. the sharpest possible white cheddar
1: hmm Interesting.
0: the sharper the better now i know that there's some cheese that melt a little bit better havarti is really good for this havarti yes, is, is very good people I like, like brie here. Can, but
1: i like brie give me yep. give me the sharpest possible white cheddar and i'm good to go so i, I like you i'm not a multigrain guy but you know what my favorite one is rye bread um, especially like a nice thick They've got. I think it's like the Jewish rye that you can go get, like Wegman's, which you know we have around here, Bruce. And like you get like a nice piece of thick, almost Texas toast thick rye bread, and then you throw. I just throw like four or five pieces of American cheese, standard yellow American. That's really the only thing I want in my grilled cheese. Um, And I'm really not a big tomato soup guy. And here's the reason why: heartburn just it tears me up uh, whenever i that have tomato sense. soup. So i'm just not a huge tomato soup guy. So i do eat grilled cheese alone and i have eat, eat eaten grilled cheese alone or and you know without tomato soup pairing. Um, now like marinara, i would almost rather have marinara both give me heartburn but i'll have less of the marinara if that makes sense. So i would I, I still do want to dip something. There there is that inherent want to dip that that grilled cheese regardless of the bread, regardless of the cheese.
0: You do realize that you picked cheese and tomato as yours and I picked cheese and tomato as mine when it comes to hey. oh wow we did yeah just in different forms just in different
1: forms you picked cheese and tomato and I picked grilled cheese and tomato soup just, oh my gosh so just like the metaphor you know things that are better together we, we were already on the together. we were preparing in the same wavelength it is literally a
0: meta metaphor <laughs> 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 it's a meta squared four is what it is (laughs) completely off the deep end we're 10 minutes in we're already done Uh, all right moving along back in action Nate and I are gonna do Bill's roster room previews but as is per usual with this show we are gonna do roster room previews for the 2022 version of our Buffalo Bills a little differently we're gonna compare them to food so we're going to make sure that we tackle the different roster rooms of the buffalo bills over the next couple of weeks in food form
1: and we're a star roster off. i this, this is the most exciting one we are well the most exciting thing for us getting into the season bruce and i'm glad we sort of saved the best for the last these are the dog days of of summer bruce this is the stuff that you start to get bored you're like where's football where's football we're so close ota's mini camp mandatory we're so close to, to that training camp but now in these in these uh, position room food comparisons, this is going to be the best. The next the, the next three or four weeks are going to be the the best shows we've ever put out by Absolutely. far. And we we'll to start with if the Bills quarterback room
0: was a food. And mm-hmm. I'm going to start on this one because we're going to go ahead and compare the Bills quarterback room to a food. And here we go. The Bills quarterback room is really, really, really good chili that you have as an appetizer. And I will tell you why. Sometimes you'll go to a restaurant Mm. and you'll think, you know, I really really want a bowl of chili, but I don't think I want it as my meal. So what you'll do Mm. is you'll order the good chili. And you know they have good chili. You've been there before. You're a fan. But you're going to have it as an appetizer. Here's the problem with having really good chili as an appetizer. No matter how good the meal is, you're going to be thinking about that chili. Yeah, you're going to be feeling about that chili you kind of start it off right at the top of your meal with a pretty good food and no matter how reasonable you get done with your duck or you get done with your sandwich and you go and you slowly dab your dab your mouth with your napkin and go well that was reasonable I think that that was delightful I think it was perfectly satisfactory you say but it didn't satisfy your primal instincts like scarfing down a gigantic bowl of chili right at the top of your meal. Just like no matter how reasonable mm. you might feel Case Keenum is, and you're happy that you can have a nice, reasonable backup quarterback, no matter how reasonable he may be, it's not going to satisfy the urge like watching Josh Allen jump over a linebacker. It's not going to no, fill you with that, that absolute manliness that you feel from watching a gigantic six-foot-four, 245-pound man jump over people and throw the ball a million yards. There's something about that that whatever the next course cannot possibly replicate. In addition, chili, there's a lot of stuff in chili. There's a lot yeah, to chili. Is. People just put the entire kitchen sink in their chili. They, You might say they put every single trait they have in their fridge in their chili much like josh allen just a collection just a bundle of all the traits right tall and big and strong he's got a big arm and he's athletic and just just god was just sitting there and said i'm gonna throw all the traits into josh allen i'm just gonna put all of them oh by the way we're gonna make him handsome and likable too just throw it out there right so in all of these ways the bills quarterback room is like having a really good bowl of chili, but having it as an appetizer.
1: Hmm, it's a good one, Bruce. Um, I like that you you phased in in your argument just about like the the chili is also the timing uh, of when the dish happens, right? Uh, emphasizing that it's that that first encore, right? Or it's or it's the first. Dish first that course, you have yeah. for first course, right? Um, I like that. It's, that was very nuanced and layered, Bruce, much like your chilies, I'm sure. Very layered, very nuanced. Lots of spices, I'm sure. For me, Bruce, um, the Bills quarterback room, for me, uh, and, and I wanted to look at it from a league perspective. So this isn't just the Bills quarterback room, but it's how they stack up. With the rest of the league right i mean that that's kind of how you want to view these position groups you want to look at them and you want to say let's compare this to that and like a lot of quarterback rooms most are mad you gotta if you have a starter you probably don't have a lot of depth so for me this quarterback room is a lot like homemade pasta you know perfectly made fresh pasta you take from cut and roll cut and roll to right in the water couple one two three minutes pull it out you've got some of the tastiest pasta in the world right like for me and the comparison of this bill's quarterback room which i believe bruce is you know in terms of you feel to your point the drop-up between josh allen and case keenum is significant Um, but I think if you looked across the league, there's not that big of a drop-off in a lot of cases from some of the teams that are deeper from their starting quarterback because they're not as good as Josh Allen and their backup quarterback. Um, But I think for me... It's like the difference between homemade pasta, like the bills room and standard box pasta, you're going to have spaghetti, right? Most people are just going to make it with box pasta because they're lazy. They don't want to put the time. They don't want to put the effort in. They don't want to spend the assets to make sure you have an insurance policy like the bills do. They have three players, Bruce, that have started NFL games that have played and thrown NFL touchdowns against NFL defenses. That is a, I think, a huge advantage now insurance is as good as you're going to make it, right? Like, and if you wanna spend the time, Bruce, if you wanna spend the assets, the energy, into making sure you have the best possible pasta, you're gonna make it yourself, you're gonna roll it out. It's really, Bruce, not that hard. It's not a lot of ingredients. It's just a lot of, you know, you have to know how to do it, how to cut it right. You have to have the right equipment, of course. But I think at the end of the day, Bruce, it's better to be the homemade pasta in this, in this instance. If Josh Allen misses three, four, five games in the course of a season, you feel like you have two guys that you can lean on rather than you know going to the box pasta when maybe you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, and the quality is certainly not the same. That's good. That's good. I like that one. I'm a fan. I really fan. wanted to figure out the, the homemade pasta angle on this. And, uh, you know, I think it's funny. We've been, you know, dabbling in some different types of pastas, right, that aren't uh, flour-based because, you know, we just – when we're eating pasta, the big thing is you're eating a whole giant bowl of carbs, right? So, like, we've been looking at some alternative pastas, right? Like there's, um, you know, soy and a couple of other, like, zucchini noodles, right? Like and all these different uh, vegetable noodles. Have but, we talked about chickpea, chickpea pasta, pasta yet? I've had chickpea pasta. It's, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I like it. it I'm a fan. Yeah, it's good. It's I'm whatever. all the way in on bonza pasta. It's I. But I, kind of what I was getting, though, is like at the end of the day, I still always want to go with that flower route, right? And most teams in the NFL, they understand the value of having an insurance policy. But most teams, you don't have a lot of true quarterback competitions anymore in the NFL, right? Like you had, And is Atlanta, is that maybe the... Atlanta and maybe Seattle right now are the two teams that like Carolina. really have Carolina. Yep, I would agree with that. Carolina, absolutely. Like those are the true quarterback competitions, um, and the drop off between starter and backup are not that different. Pittsburgh's another one, right? The, I don't oh, think yeah, the, the the separation between those guys are that different, like they are here in Buffalo. But that's actually a good thing, you know. Like you don't want to have a backup that you're spending all sorts of money on to back up for Josh Allen in case of emergency. Um, but I think you have a very capable guy in Case Keenum who you know has that rapport with. Stephon Diggs, right? Like he's he's he knows how to uh, how to get the best out of Stephon Diggs, um, and I think if you had to put him in for a three, four, five game stretch, you are feeling much better than you would if you just have Matt Barkley, who I think is also capable and can come in and and win you football games and be a manager. I mean, he's proven that already over the course of his career. So I think they're just in a unique position of being, I think, by far the deepest in terms of skill. Um, but I think experience um, and capability in the league and knowing an NFL offense. um, And a lot of teams do not have that luxury across the league, Bruce. They just don't. There's not like I think there's an offensive line problem in the NFL. There's not enough good ones. There's also not 32 starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL, meaning there's a lot of guys that are in the middle, and that middle has a drop-off point. Um, And that middle part is also not deep, Bruce. So it's to see the Bills have one, I think, you know, if you were to – rank backup quarterbacks Bruce where does case Keenum jump for you like three four five probably in that range right yeah he's
0: a perfectly reasonable backup quarterback I mean you're looking at you know you're looking at I mean depends do you think Baker Mayfield's a backup quarterback right now does he count you know what I mean so I don't I don't wouldn't count him so yeah I, I would put him up there I mean obviously Teddy Bridgewater I put really 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 high and yep. uh ironically enough he's in Miami which is you know the subject of discussions indeed But You know, the old adage is if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And there's a Mm. reason for that. There's a reason for that. But thankfully, we have quarterbacks, multiples. And we have one who's clearly head and shoulders above the other, so we don't have to worry about that problem. But they also have people to throw to. And the food simile for this week in the preview for the Bills' current wide receiver group is the Bills' current wide receiver group makes me feel
1: like... Mm. Nate, you get to lead off with the food simile. Yes, can't wait. So uh, the Bills wide receiver room, makes me feel like I'm at the original pancake house and I get the Dutch apple, right? Like, I, do you know what I'm talking about, Bruce? The big Dutch apple, when it comes out, out of the, it's in the skillet, it comes out, and when it comes out, it's domed, right? And the thing that I love about the Dutch apple is when it deflates, right? And when it comes down in the middle – Sometimes it's undercooked and it's actually not a great experience. And, but when it's perfectly cooked and it comes together, it's nice and light and fluffy in the middle with all of that apple and all of that like apple, cinnamony, sugary stuff. Um, like this Bills, when I was thinking about this food simile, Bruce, it actually created a little anxiety. Um, because outside of, you know, Diggs and Davis at the top, right? And I'm I'm thinking about Diggs and Davis. That's when that Dutch apple pie comes out of the oven, and it's got this big old dome in the middle. But then when you kind of want to pop it and start eating it, or it starts to, you know, collapse in on itself, right now we're at the point where we don't know when we cut in what it's going to be. I mean, is Jamison Crowder going to come in and all of a sudden be the guy that I think a lot of people thought he'd be in the Jets offense over the last couple of years? Or is it going to be undercooked, Bruce? And, you know, Crowder can't stay healthy like he has been the last couple of years. And he doesn't give you that. And, and, you know, uh, Khalil isn't ready. Khalil Shakur isn't ready to step into that full-time number three slot receiver role, right? And, or Gabe Davis goes down and now you're relying on Jay Kumoro as your primary outside receiver on the other side of Stephon Diggs. So we're at the point, Bruce, where in this receiver room, and it, what it makes me feel like is we're right there at that point where we're about to cut into that apple, uh, that big Dutch apple pie pancake, whatever you want to call it. And we're about to find out if it's perfectly cooked or if it's undercooked. We're not going to find out for a little while. Wow. We really go off the rails when it comes to these
0: food metaphors, don't we? (laughs) Just completely off the rails. You know, before too long, I'll be like, okay, so there was this thing that was a big thing at McDonald's in 1972. And in 1972, there was an advertisement on television. And there was this actor that was part of that advertisement. Well, he grew up to play this guy on the sitcom that only ran for one season before it got canceled. Okay, and this one guy had this catchphrase that he used. Eventually, that's where we're going to be headed. But for now, now, I'm going to go slightly less complicated than that, but I'm still going to go with something a little crazy. And the food simile for me is that the current Bills wide receiver group makes me feel like I own a Panera that doesn't have a drive-thru. The reason why it makes me feel like I own a Panera that doesn't have a drive-thru is I feel really good about my restaurant. I like my restaurant. I feel like... Panera's are stable I feel like they have a stable clientele they offer a wide variety of foods I feel like people generally feel good about Panera when you talk about Panera there's not a lot of people who go I hate Panera now you might not get people who love it but I have never met a person who really hates Panera just refuses to eat at Panera and part of running a successful business isn't just getting super fans it's also avoiding people who will spread negativity about your food. So there's nobody who's going to look at the current Bob Bills wide receiver group and go, yee, nobody, literally nobody is going to do that. Now, they might not ever think that it's a top three group, but they're going to never think eh, it's bad. And part of making sure that you run a successful business is making sure that you can avoid or curb negative feedback. However, you know what would really take this offense to the next level? Do you know what would really take my Panera to the next level? If I had a little something else on the outside, like a drive-thru. And so I don't know about you, but where I come from, we have Paneras that occasionally will have drive throughs And I personally will not go to Paneras that don't have drive throughs anymore Hmm. because I'm lazy and I want to avoid human beings. It's mostly the second one. If I have to talk face-to-face to a human being, my level of inclination for doing whatever that activity is immediately went down. I want to get my groceries picked up, right? <laughs> I want to go through drive throughs Get your Panera. I want to have things sent to my house. Yep. I want to avoid having a conversation with a human being as often as humanly possible. And so the Buffalo Bills wide receiver group is good. In fact, nobody out there would look at it and complain. No one is having the conversations about the Buffalo Bills wide receiver group that we are having about the Chicago Bears wide receiver group
1: nobody has ever even said
0: close to that in fact the second the Buffalo Bills went out and invested in John Brown and Cole Beasley they still from that time on did not say that because they were like okay they're doing what they can to help Josh Allen then they went out and got Stephon Diggs the next year they go okay they're clearly doing what they need to do to help Josh Allen and after the way Gabriel Davis performed in the playoffs nobody is looking at that going hey um I don't really know if Gabe Davis is ready to take the next step because it's all just kind of assumed that he's going to. Plus, they added OJ Howard, they added Jamison Crowder. Mm-hmm. So nobody's thinking negatively of it. But I would feel a little bit better if I had something else on the outside. Mm-hmm. On the outside of my
1: Panera, like a drive-through. What do you think of that? What do you think of that food simile? I like the drive-through, and immediately I thought of Julio Jones because he feels like a drive-through. But yeah bruce it's it's funny because you I, I think my main argument for when anyone says well, what about the receivers and there's not everyone i mean bruce that, that there aren't everyone doesn't think that the room is is you know is is a weak point i'm not saying that at all but I do think there's a lot to learn about what this room can bring, what it looks like together, how this personnel package is. And I think, uh, you know, I know they've been saying it on the morning show. I know Howard has been saying this a lot, but thinking of them more as like a group of pass catchers sales talk about this, right? A, a group of pass catchers. So you include Dawson Knox, you include, um, you know, James Cook, uh, you know, who they got in the draft this year in the second round out of Georgia. Um, you talk about uh, how McKenzie and potentially Tavon Austin fit into this whole equation. Um, and it's interesting to think about, it's kind of in the same category concept except they still have stefan diggs um that the kansas city chiefs this evolution that they're going through bruce right where they've gone from okay well everything is built around what happens and how the defense defense tyreek hill and that changes now and now they become in theory right harder to defend because of the multiplicity of all the all of the different options that a andy Reid has to design these schemes but b how patrick mahomes can can execute those schemes so i think for me like it's it's That's the most interesting part of this is when you think about the puzzle that this whole thing is, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of change on this offense, Bruce, more than I think maybe we we have given a credit for this offense. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about all of the change outside of the offensive coordinator, right? Like that gets a lot of the, the attention, the Dorsey from, you know, from Brian Dable, Bruce, but, there is a lot of new faces to integrate into the offense in different ways, not huge roles, Bruce, but those depth and those secondary roles um, that I think can sort of really round out an offense, and it's what makes an offense, I think, the best offenses so difficult to defend when you get on the field and seeing what they're going to do with James Cook and will they run two running backs out in the field at one time and in, in, in certain packages start out looking like they're going to be you know with a fullback and two tight ends um, and then they split out to five wide and they have the guys that can do that and create mismatches if you're going to defend them and run packages so um yeah bruce i there's a lot of questions that maybe we have not really gotten to thinking of or talking about because we've solely been fixated on the offensive coordinator change which of course is a big change in itself i just you know fundamentally there this is going to be a different looking offense and there are going to be several new faces um both on the offensive line and at the skill position player the one constant obviously is josh allen
0: now, I have a really, really important question. Nate, do you have an in with the guy who runs the audio at the Bills games? Do you have an in there? Can I can I make a I suggestion I that might people. make it to him? Yeah. Sure. If the, if, the, if the Bills ever decide they're going to run Devin Singletary and James Cook at the same time in the backfield, can we get Pony by Genuine to play over the loudspeakers? Because it feels like that's a massive missed opportunity by every PA guy literally ever. When the, when the team runs two running backs, two halfbacks in the backfield? I don't I
1: don't know the reference, Bruce. What? Seriously? I
0: don't know the reference. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, see, I'm so old. Okay, so I'm dating myself a little bit here.
1: So, uh, Well, now we know. Now we know. And Karen wants to know, you know, what if the FBI is working at well, the drive-thru? Well, I'm going to give them and a now... little hint right here. I am going to give them a little hint to my
0: identity. And that is that when I was younger... When you ran two halfbacks in the same backfield, they called that a pony backfield. That was the term for that. You call it a pony. And so, of course, the song Pony by Genuine, um, which is a very popular song amongst dancers, um, could be played in the background when there was a pony backfield.
1: Hmm. What year would this... Hold on. You know, I mean, I do have Google at my fingertips. I could. Yeah, I feel like you could absolutely do that. You could just, you know, just Google it. I don't think it's super old. 1996. Wow. I was wow. five at the time. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have known that one, Bruce. But it's okay. You were like eight at the time, right? Yeah let's, yeah, let's let's uh, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, No, I could tell by your reaction it was only one or two years difference. There oh wasn't, yeah, there wasn't no, that. I'm 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 clearly
0: just, I'm clearly basically you're. I, I might even be younger than you. You this could be just a gigantic long. Comp. You would be a Gen Zer this whole time. Yes, everything you know about me indicates Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on TikTok. You just don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's under the exclusive. That's why. Ex- he can, that's right. It's, it's, it's just the exclusive. It's, no, it's be exclusive. Be exclusive. B exclusive. Yes. On yes.
0: TikTok. yes. Yes, absolutely. We need to make that happen. So we are going to bust out the mail back. If you yes. have questions for us and want to drop us a line, uh, now would be the time in the comment section. But I have a email that was sent in to Food for Thought from Jeremy Cugino. And he said, Bruce, I have lived in Boise for 16 years. My house is literally a mile from Boise State football stadium. However, I know nothing about Boise State football. I seriously couldn't pick the head coach out of a lineup. With that in mind, based upon your film study, do you think Khalil Shakir has the skill set to play on the outside at the NFL level? Like many in Bill's Mafia, I'm a little concerned about our depth at boundary receiver, it's almost like he knew I was going to talk about Panera in the drive-thru on the outside. He says, P.S., I respect the hell out of you, but last week when you referred to Benny Goodman music as jazz, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. That's like calling the Jonas Brothers hip-hop. Come on, you're better than that, Bruce. <laughs> ha, he says. Okay, first off, I will defend myself. I recognize that Benny Goodman is the king of swing. Okay, I totally get that. But he is a jazz clarinet- clarinetist. Like, th- that, is, that is what he is. Now, I understand that he's known as the King of Swing. I get that. But as a clarinetist, he is a jazz clarinetist. So I defend that to the depth. I will continue to say that Benny Goodman is a jazz clarinetist. That's what he is. I, 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 I understand the rest of it. But I'm just I'm going with it. I'm absolutely going with it. Okay. So let's go to the answers for Khalil that one. Shakir. Uh, Khalil Shakir. Nate...
1: I'll let you take this one. Can Khalil Shakir play on the outside? Uh, he's, they're going to they, – I mean, he's probably going to try. I, I think, you know, where I see him starting the year um, is in a primary special teams role and, and kind of what he plays is probably not a guy that comes in as a primary boundary replacement um, when Diggs or when Davis comes off the field. But in talking a little bit about – the conversation we were having about the positionless player, right? Like, I do think that you could see a lot of Dawson Knox lining up um, in the X position. I think you could see him lining up on the outside, right? Um, and I think if that's the case, Bruce, then you probably will see a little bit more of Jake Kumaro as well as a guy that is really their only depth, a true depth at primary outside receiver. I think the same questions you might have about Isaiah Hodgins for different reasons he's more of a big nickel he's got the body type that you look for in an outside receiver and maybe that's why you're looking at a Khalil Shakir and saying well that's not the it's not the ideal outside boundary receiver body he's not a Julio Jones he's not six four, you know 230 and change um, that's not what we're looking he's not DK Metcalf right but Neither is Stefan Diggs, right? And, and, and neither is, in, I think Gabriel Davis is your traditional boundary receiver, but I really liked in the playoffs last year, Bruce, when they were able to move him in the slot and get him matched up against slot uh, corners uh, in that Kansas City defense. I thought that was a really big advantage for the Bills in that second half, and one of the things that sparked um, their comeback in that game um, was moving him into the slot, and that's where he was winning a lot in that game. So the question is whether or not, or, you know, isn't whether or not guys can move in and bump in and play the inside. The question is, if you want Diggs on the inside, if you want Gabriel Davis on the inside, who can be on the field that can play that boundary receiver? Because I don't really think that's Jamison Crowder, right? I think he's more of that Cole Beasley style, uh, more Cole Beasley type with better yards after catch potential than Cole Beasley. So I could see him having all the same route responsibilities in this offense that Cole Beasley had with a little bit more yards after catch upside. But, like, when you look around... Can Shakir be the guy who has projected more as an interior as a slot receiver in the NFL and a special teams guy that can return kicks? Uh, The questions remain, does he have the body type? Does he have the type of route running package walking into the league to play outside receiver? And, I mean, he didn't do it a ton in college, but there's film out there if you want to go see it. If you want to make a point, you can find you know, videos on YouTube and showing him getting reps at the outside receiver and winning at the college level. But um, I think for me in the NFL, he probably projects as that inside guy and we'll see how he ultimately gets used. But, you know, and maybe I heard one bills live talking about him getting that more of like that Debo Samuel role, like, like the sort of the X factor role. Like, is this a guy that's going to be in motion? But I, I think that, you know, is he going to take handoffs? Could he be a screen guy? Like those are things that I think they might try to use him with, but boundary receiver, um, i don 't think right away I think that if that is the plan bruce that 's certainly going to be a work in progress if if you know if anything else
0: when I think about a boundary receiver, I think about the traits necessary to be able to succeed in that role, and the first and most important thing that I look for when i 'm trying to answer the question, can this guy play on the outside in an NFL offense is release package? That is the absolute first thing I want to see. Mm. Is can this person clear contact at the line of scrimmage playoff press? You look at players that we were anticipating to be meaningful players <coughs> at the next level. Players like James Hardy, for example, mm. who just could not get off press coverage, right? Just couldn't do it. A lot of players end up in the slot because of necessity. Not necessarily That's right. because they're better with... Left and right equally breaking routes. That's not the case. It's because they can't play on the line of scrimmage on the boundary. So the first thing I look for is, can this guy clear hands at the line of scrimmage? Or is he just going to get hung up? Is it going to take him two and a half seconds to get into his route? Because if that's the case, uh uh-uh. Sorry. Uh, That's it. Release package is such a big deal that we just don't talk about. And we should talk about a lot when it comes to getting wide receivers to develop in the NFL. We look at players like Jamar Chase, and you go, okay, why was he able to have such success as a rookie? He came in with an NFL-ready release package. Players like Garrett Wilson, players like Chris Olave, a lot of players who played in the SEC in the Big Ten, and they had to deal mm-hmm. with press coverage. These are players who had to learn to clear contact early. Khalil Shakir can do it a little bit. He can do it a little bit. Okay, now let's look at the next trait. When it comes to playing on the outside, can you stack a receiver, right? Because if you can't at least threaten to win vertically, they're just going to sit on everything. That's right. So you have to have two main components to be able to succeed on the outside. The first is you got to be able to clear contact. You have to be able to clear press coverage. Release package has to be in place. And the second is you have to be able to stack corners. And if you don't have the wheels to be able to stack corners a lot of those well he's not very big and he's not very fast a lot of those people end up on the inside because they can't win anywhere else not necessarily because they're the absolute ideal version of themselves inside even though that's true it's because they can't win otherwise they need the free release so i think shakir is better suited as a slot player i don't think it's a hard fast Shakir did play on the outside in college and he and won't get he, pigeonholed he'll get the opportunity to try it he will get the opportunity to try it. I don't think right. that this this staff is going to walk in and say I'm sorry you're just a slot player because let's be honest right. if if you can have him and Jamison Crowder on the field at the same time you would prefer that as opposed to the other options just traits give you options right and options are good so I think he's preferable as a slot but I don't think it's impossible he could ever play on the outside very similar to players like Emmanuel Sanders,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely.
0: You know, who, could, who was absolutely a smaller player, right? But he had release package. I think that as could he got older, inside, he could play inside, could play outside, play, more, play inside, play mm-hmm. outside, have that versatility. But Shakir has the speed to be able to do it, and I think the release package can be developed to the point where he could do it as well. So I don't think it's a natural one to one fit, but I think it's something he could do. Liam in the comment section says, "Would you describe the state of the interior offensive line?" as tenuous or hmm. stable nate tenuous or stable for the bills into your offensive line
1: stable um and i think it's because of the depth um you know they're gonna have ike butker coming back from injury um the versatility right ryan bates if saffold goes down he can hop over if they got to move cody ford in and bring him on the right side you know they have the ability to do that um, they still have Cody Ford, and I know a lot of people have given up and moved on from Cody Ford. But in terms of a depth interior offensive piece, um, you know you're, you're not going to find a lot of second round um, talent. And and listen, he is that. He he is a good um, to medium good run blocker. It's it's in the pass sets that really hurt him. He does not have the foot speed um, to keep up on those. He can he can handle himself on a bull rush, um, but when it gets past him and it, and the defender crosses his face, he really struggles with footwork to be able to recover, um, and that's why he has not been a starting caliber offensive lineman. But he can play, he can fill in. So I think from a depth perspective, you'll like where the Bills are in case a guy goes down, and and the same can be said if a guy like. And we'll, we'll include Mitchell Morse in this. If Mitch Morse goes down, you can bump Ryan Bates to center and move a Cody Ford in, and you still have stability there on that offensive line if, in case of injury. And the same can be said. We'll see about the emergence on the outside with Tommy Doyle and how that works, and they bring in Quisenberry. So this is a team from, from the depth perspective is very good, but the, sti- the stability part of it has to come, Bruce, from the level of play that you're going to get from the starters. And I'm interested to see what a f- the first full year of Ryan Bates is a starter. In this offense looks like. I'm, I'm interested to see what Aaron Cromer puts together in terms of a run concept and, and, and pass blocking sets and concepts. So I'm interested to see what that looks like early in camp. And obviously, Roger Saffold, he made the Pro Bowl last year, but I think if you talk to a lot of people that watched, um, he is definitely on the downside of his career. But can you get better play? Here will be the standard, Bruce. Can you get better play from Roger Saffold than you got from Darrell Williams? Because if you can, that's a net win. And I think the Bills can come out better than they were last year i think they're slightly deeper in terms of experience and guys that can come in and have a slight drop off but not a monumental one not a bobby hart level drop off like they would have had at times last year on the on the uh, on the outside on the offensive line at the edge so um all in all i would say stable is the word i'm using to describe now how stable i think is a, is a separate conversation but i'm certainly not throwing it under the uh, the tenuous bust that's for sure
0: yeah, if you force me to use only these two adjectives to describe it, right? I'm only allowed... You know how much I hate, I hate being in a box, but... Yeah, you do. You hate that. I absolutely hate it. But if, if you have to make me use one of these two adjectives, the adjective that is closest, it's a little bit like having those multiple choice questions where they ask you, which one of these is the most true? And you're like, what the heck? Most true? What do you? But yes, the most true adjective in this case, for me, would be stable. And for all the reasons that that Nate said, I think that also I'm comparing it to interior offensive line situations across the league. I know that we don't do a very good job of that as fans to put things in perspective relative to other teams. But one of the things I'm always harping on, one of the things I hope Nate and I can get done in this show is we can have voices from other teams involved. Listen, I love to make food puns. Nate loves to make food puns. We love to make food metaphors. It's a huge part of the way we communicate things because we want to make sure we're saying the same thing that everyone else is saying in different ways because other people are talking about the quarterback room too, guys. Everyone else is talking about the wide receiver room too. But sometimes if you put it in weird scenarios, then it lands. If metaphors make things land for people, and it helps you look at things in a different way. So there's a reason why we talk about that. The other reason why we have players, people like, Uh, Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns was supposed to be the guest (laughs) for this week. We're going to try and get him on at some point here soon. But it's a Browns reporter because you're going to be knee deep, neck deep, fully submerged, whatever the situation is. In Bill's stuff, sometimes we don't take a peek our head out. And so when I look at the Bill's interior offensive line, I am looking at it relative to other interior offensive line situations around the league. And if you make me compare it to them. I'm going to use stable
1: more often than I'm going to use tenuous. Absolutely. And, again, I, I said earlier, like, the league has a quarterback problem. There's not a lot of depth. There's not a lot of elite-level players. There's not a lot of mid-level players. There's a lot um, of parity. So, I think, for me, when you think about the parity in the league at quarterback, they the Bills could be in much worse position both at the quarterback and offensive line position. They're hard to find offensive linemen, and I think if the Bills – have anything, they have guys they can ride on to. Again, and, and I'll say this about the quarterback room and the interior and the offensive line room in general across the board. Guys that have started football games, guys that have played meaningful snaps. And when you get into October, November, December, and injuries pop up and guys are missing games, The Bills have guys they can turn to that have started in the NFL, both at tackle with Quisenberry, who came in in free agency, and at guard if you want to bump in Cody Ford. And I think that's a huge advantage for a team, and not every team can say that they've got guys that have experience in the NFL. um, They can walk in in the system too, by the way, which I think is also important. Again, Ike Botker is a name um, as well that I didn't even mention in those other two. I I think they've got a lot of of flexibility and stability on that interior just from the depth and, and the guys that can move around if they have to.
0: A reminder that today's show and every show is brought to you by Genesee Brewing Company. Jeff Lloyd from Lockdown Bills was going to be, Lockdown Browns was going to be on the Genesee hotline because every week it's brought to you by, you guessed it, Genesee Brewing Company. Look for Pineapple Kolsch in stores and at bars and restaurants today. Genesee beer brewed for generations in lieu of winners and losers this week. Nate and I have something we want to talk about. And it's fitting, I think, that just recently Tua Mm Tungavaloa came up in the news, not just for his arm strength, but also because Tyreek Hill said, according to Tyreek Hill and his agent on a podcast that Drew Rosenhaus was just on, that Tua is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. He said that. That's an actual thing that he said. Devontae Adams recently came out And said that when it comes to skill level, there really isn't a lot of difference between (laughs) Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know, Nate, I know that we exist in fluff moments. Yes, we do. Like, this is fluff season. We're all in fluff season because it's spring practices. Everybody is in the best shape of their lives. Every player is ready for eternal optimism. Every player who you thought was going to break out last year on your dynasty fantasy football team, don't worry, they're going to break out this year because all the fluff pieces are happening. But, Nate, I feel like you might have something to say when it comes to the fluff that gets thrown around. We might as well just call it fluffernutter season. And I love a good fluffernutter. Me too. Get some marshmallow, some peanut butter, put it on a panini, get a press. It's amazing. Put some banana on there. I'm all about it. All Mm -hmm.
1: about it. But it feels like it's gone Mm -hmm. overboard this year, Nate. What do you have to say about that? This year, more than any, I just cannot remember a time where I had to hear all of this. This is you know, looks good in short season, right? Oh, you know, a lot of great throws today when there was no contact and on seven on seven, and, you know, Zach Wilson goes seven for eight, or Zach Wilson goes one for seven in seven on sevens, and everyone says, oh, no, is the quarterback going to struggle with with accuracy issues? He was the worst quarterback in terms – so you get all these narratives that they start to run with based on performances in – Court with quarterbacks and teams that are installing new systems right and if you're the you know if you're the Raiders you're installing a new system and you just brought one of the best receivers if not the best receiver in the league that you're integrating with Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller who are already really great pass catchers so the whole Tua conversation and the and now the Derek Carr conversation listen Derek Carr is a fine quarterback but come on Devonte, you're not no one's buying that you don't even have to say it there's no reason to say it and Tyreek I mean, you guys know how I feel about Tua. I, it, I, it's not that I don't think he can be successful in the NFL, but what is your success? What is How is Tua to be measured as success? Because for me, I think a success for Tua Viola will be probably a long-term backup in the NFL, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just don't believe he's the franchise quarterback. I don't believe that he's the guy, even with all of the – you know, excessiveness at the tools position or just at it, the tools that he has at his disposal in this offense with Hill and Waddle and Zusecki and now who they've got in the running back in the backfield as well. But I just don't think he's that guy. So like they're in that perpetual state of what is going to be success for Tua Tunga Viola. I don't know. I, I, I think for me, it's that he'll be in the league for a long time, but not as a, as a starter. So I don't, and everybody knows that, right? I mean, everybody sort of thinks that. Um, if they don't think that, and again, outside of the ecosystem and the, and the echo chamber of Miami Dolphins fans, um, I think the the reality with him is he's kind of in a no-win situation because it's basically for them, if they don't make a deep playoff run this year, they're moving on. They got two first-round picks, Bruce. Um, he's It feels... Like a lame duck quarterback, like a guy that almost regardless of how he plays this year will probably re- be replaced. Like the Browns just replaced Baker Mayfield, so um, when when that elite quarterback comes available, they will dump to a quicker than he knows. Um, that, you know, quick, quicker than any any move in his career up to this point has been um, in terms of a team just moving on, and they do it quickly. It's a business, Bruce. So I think um, I, I don't. It's just. It's, it's training camp season it's OTA season so the sensa- the sensationalism of it gets hyped up but it's just absurd to and, and it's borderline like like are these guys that sensitive like having Tua come out and say what he said to the media about like oh did you see that one and like Tua man you're coming off real insecure dude you're coming off real insecure which is, I think, interesting because it's a very different Tua than we saw
0: last year during the Deshaun Watson rumors with Miami. When I right. Mind you, I think Tua handled that situation extremely well. well. Agreed. I mean, just extremely well. And it depends on who you ask. It depends on who you ask and what the person you're asking wants to see out of their quarterbacks, out of their players. Because right. some people will say Tua's loosening up. He's having a little bit of fun with the media. He's self-assured. He's snapping back at his critics. He's not going to take any crap anymore. And then other people would say something like, eh, he feels like maybe he's a little sensitive. So the fact of the matter is, it's not going to matter. No, none if he plays of he matters. Well, and it's not going to matter if he plays poorly. Mm-hmm. But it's in the eye of the beholder. Whatever you thought of Tua before his comments was just reinforced by whatever he said. And it's one of the things that we do really poorly as sports commentators. And that is we're not ideologues. What we are is we're people who just con- constantly want to confirm our priors. That's it. That's it. Right. We don't believe in things. So we don't believe in a concept. And that if concept, if done by Josh Allen, is right. And if done by someone else is also right. Because we don't do that. We just confirm our priors. If my guy says it, it's awesome. If your guy says it, it's garbage because we're all hypocrites.
1: We are it's one all thing absolutely
0: bothers the crap out of me <laughs> is that we don't have ideologues anymore. We don't act like ideologues because we don't believe in things anymore. We don't believe in concepts that are just true across the board or wrong across the board. So if we want that behavior out of Tua, but then we don't want that behavior out of someone like Justin Herbert's, right? Then right. We're hypocrites. Now Justin Herbert of course has I mean he's one of the most boring people, right? In the entire NFL, he's just fantastic when it comes to playing quarterback. He's a really really good quarterback. Now if you ask him about certain things that strike his interest, he'll light up like the 4th of July. But has he ever said anything that got quoted and from the front page of anything? He's just not a super quotable guy. And no, some people like their quarterbacks that way. And if you like your quarterbacks that way, then like the way that Tua uh, handled Deshaun Watson. Sure. If you don't like your quarterbacks that way, then like the way that Tua handled this one, when Josh Allen's feeling swaggerific and he says things like "one New York team," right, right. We all think that's great, but then if someone else does it, we're all like, "Oh, look at that guy! Look how arrogant he is! Look at that swagger! Look, he doesn't respect the process. Yeah, right, right. He doesn't respect humble. the game. He doesn't respect the game." You know, it's just we're just all hypocrites. And it really bothers me because it starts to show up with the sensationalism this off season, When someone comes in like LaShawn McCoy and says what they mm. said about Josh Allen when he walked in the door. Well, then it's fine. It's not sensationalism. It's fine. Even though Josh Allen, the year that LaShawn
1: McCoy said that was not a very good quarterback. No, but he had the tools. He did have the tools, and and when you are when you watch Josh Allen throw, and the second listen when you watch Josh Allen throw in his first training camp when that was open to the public, which I did, Bruce, I know why Shady McCoy said what he said. He watched. I, I mean, he probably saw the thing spin off his hand like he hadn't seen, and it turned out that he has one of the best arms in the league, if not in the league. So maybe, but like I, I, I guess I'm I'm more with it. The two guys that were named in this both would not be considered tool guys, right? Carr's no. not a tools guy. Neither no. is Tua. So if what? you're going to have, if you're going to say these things, if you're going to sensationalize it, like you're going to sensationalize guys like Mahomes who could do freakish things that deserve that that attention and that all, all of the, the talk about it. When you're trying to hype up something, it what it reminds me of is it's trying to like, you know, ooh, here's this almond butter instead of this peanut butter. Like, well, what are you doing? Like,
0: Devontae Adams wasn't hyping up tools. He was hyping up skills. Wow. Oh, give me that tomato, tomato. Nah. No, they're different. I did an entire podcast on skills not being traits. They're not the same thing because they're talking about. I mean, think about Devonte Devontae Adams has played with Derek Carr before, so he has yep. a frame of reference. Yep. And he's talking about skills. Skills are things like ball placement, mechanics. Things that can be learned, things that are significant swings from one way to another, because they're things that can
1: be learned over time. How it really but wouldn't you say? Strength. Wouldn't you say arm strength and the and velocity? Those are, traits, are not skills. I arm strength is a trait. Mm-hmm. I, well, yeah, I would say arm strength is a trait, but velocity would be a skill. You can get more. You can get more velocity on a barely, barely, barely you can't you there's no amount of training in the world that will make Tua, josh no Everett. no but he doesn't have the trait that translates to the skill right and the trait is arms that's strength why i would but i would manifest. say velocity is the skill of it velocity is a manifestation oh bruce i wish we i wish you'd have brought this up at 9 a.m or 9 p.m it's not a skill we, a skill uh, are, we are we fighting
0: are we fighting about this of- next week Yes, we can. We're gonna do. We're gonna. Okay. okay, before we do. Okay, before we do that, go back to the April twenty. Before we come next week, the April twenty first episode of the
1: Bruce Exclusive. April twenty first.
0: Okay. I talk about skills. versus April twenty first.
1: They're because didn't you have some sort of algorithm with it as well or equation?
0: No, I did not this one. And then you're gonna to want to listen to that one. And then you're gonna to want to listen to the one for this week, which was of course the ninth. Those two podcasts go together and we draw the line between skills and traits. And basically what we decided, right, and by we of course I mean me, is that the line between skill and trait is determined by the capacity for improvement. If it has significant capacity for improvement, it's a skill. If it has little to no capacity for improvement, it's a trait. You can't, yeah. can you grow a little bit taller? Sure, are you gonna grow a lot of it taller? No. Can your arm get a little bit stronger? Sure, can it get a lot of it stronger? No. Therefore, those are traits. Skill mm. would be something like reading defenses.
1: There's a significant difference. I love your you're definitions guy, and I appreciate that about you. I've always appreciated that about you, being a definitions guy. I think it's important
0: to qualify.
1: The get, the, get, the story get, the story get the story straight. Get the story straight. Well, guys, we
0: did it. On a Friday night, we did it. No guest, no problem. Real quick. I've got one thing.
1: Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to drop a link real quick in the uh, comment section here uh, on the right-hand side. Uh, I am doing something this year for Roswell, for Roswell Park. We are running a uh, – for the Live for Luca Foundation uh, and for Carly's Club. So I'm playing 18 holes. A group of guys are playing 100 holes from 5 a.m. that spans all the way till it gets dark out. Uh, and this is on, on June 23rd at Wanaka Country Club. Jeremy White, my co-host at, uh, at WGR for Buffalo Bills pregame, he's doing 100 holes himself walking um i'm just doing the final leg of our relay team um so i'm excited to do it um and i'm raising money and there's my link any little bit helps five bucks a dollar whatever you're willing to give um really would really appreciate it it's uh near and dear to my heart being someone who who has had and fought cancer um it's something that um you know, is near and dear to me. And, and I do as much as I can um, for the cause as I work with you, um, you know, obviously with Roswell Park here, but also the United Cancer Foundation. So I work with um, a lot of folks to, to, to work together on finding a cure and, and raising money. So any little bit helps uh, and much, much appreciated. I'll, I'm going to boost this again next week, but I wanted to make sure I, uh, I, I sent that link out to folks uh, if they were interested. All good. We
0: are going to try and talk about Brent's question next week, which is do you guys worry about the future cap of this team? We'll try and we'll try and dive into it next week, Brent. Yeah, I'm into if that. I like that question. don't get to it for whatever reason. Make sure you hop in next week and ask it again. We're gonna try and get into it. Okay. So, for those of you who are watching live with us here on a Friday evening, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you enjoyed our time. I hope you didn't miss having a guest. And most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry.